This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. This podcast brought to you by My Patriot Supply. Did you miss the chance to get a 72-hour emergency food supply with free shipping for just 10 bucks? What's wrong with you? Don't worry. Call 888-411-7440 right now. They have a few left, and they're selling out fast. 888-411-7440. What are you waiting for? A disaster? Do it right now. 888-411-7440. It's time to party. This is a no-holds-barred celebration of being alive. America WK, with your friend and mine, Andrew WK, on the Blaze Radio Network. Okay, here we are. It's America WK. This is your host and your friend, Andrew WK. When I say I'm your friend, it is only that I wish to be your friend. Certainly that is up to you as much as it's up to me, but I would like you to consider me your friend, and even if we've never met in person, I hope that we can have some sort of bond and shared experience, a shared sense of living life at the same time. And if we have met in person, then I hope that makes this time together even more powerful. Our radio time is one that I look forward to every week. I've been accumulating thoughts and notes leading up to today's episode, our 29th episode. I can't believe it. 29. I remember on my 29th birthday feeling that unusual combination of excitement And also melancholy, a feeling of completion as I approached the final year of my 20s. Not sure how old you are, but talk about radical change. Between the age of 20 and 29, a lot is going to happen whether you want it to or not. Perhaps not as dramatic as the change from zero until 10 years old, and perhaps not as dramatic as the changes between 10 and 20, or 19 years old. But nevertheless, we could probably all agree that, in all practical definitions of the word maturity, between the ages of 20 and 29, some sort of adulthood is finally reached. And I can certainly say that... uh, As much as I had dreaded approaching 30, when 30 finally came, it was actually the feeling of a beginning that was more exciting than any other beginning that I'd ever felt. I was definitely excited about turning 13. That was something I had looked forward to. Being a teenager was cool. Certainly was excited about turning 20 or 21. Uh, with that legal definition of adulthood that brings with it so many new privileges. But 30 seemed, as I approached it, to be kind of underwhelming. It just seemed like, well, you were getting old. But actually, it seemed more now to me that you were entering the prime of your life. And let us all try to remember 
at all times that we really are in the prime of our life. This is our life. It is happening. It's never something that we're leading up to. It's never really something that we're coming off of or down from. We are in it at every moment. And whether we realize it or not, this is the best time of our life. It has to be. And I'm sure we can all think of different moments. I'm sure you have had challenges that at the time seemed insurmountable and perhaps times that seemed as though they would cause irreparable damage. And maybe they did. But I'm hoping that we can look back at even those most painful, most challenging times and realize that even then, those counted in some way as a very precious, very valuable, and perhaps even very wonderful time in our life. Not to discount the pain, not to even reinterpret the pain or darkness of those times, but to realize that it all counts. It all counts. And hopefully that gives us courage as we approach the future and all the unknowns that it contains, that somehow or another, those count too. Those impending and maybe even dreadful moments are not something to fear, maybe not something to look forward to either, but something to face with strength, with clarity of mind, with purpose in our hearts, and a sense that it all is part of our adventure, all part of our story. Because I myself certainly have struggled with anticipation, with dread, with fear. I've also struggled with looking back on things and wishing that I had been more present at those moments, more open, more aware, less afraid, less overwhelmed. And there was always this feeling that I'm still trying to shake. That if we just keep working and we can figure things out, then then life will start to really be good. If we can just get good enough or fix these certain problems inside ourselves or outside in the world around us, if we can fix our situation, then we can really start to live. If we just had this or that figured out, if we just had this one problem solved then life would finally be good. Whether it's money, once we have enough money, then life can really start happening. Then we can really start living full bore. If we just could find the right person to be with, then life will be good. If we could just eliminate that one problem or or finish that one chapter in our lives, then we can move forward. And meanwhile, the entire event of life is happening, is going on. And we were distracting ourselves with all that stress, all that pressure, all that biding our time, all that waiting, all that working towards life, and we're already there and living it. We already got the chance, somehow or another, even if we didn't ask for it, we got to be born. And that's all that it ever needs to be. Other than that, it is here right in front of us. So I ask you and I ask myself to take a moment and realize this is it. This is 
life. And if we can't figure out a way to enjoy it right now with all its imperfections, with all its challenges, with all its ups and downs, then we really aren't fully living. We're just waiting to live. We're looking forward to living. Or we're even dreading the chance to live. But in fact, we are living right now. And that is worth celebrating. That is worth taking note of as many times throughout the day as we possibly can. And any little thing that you can do that helps to keep that in the front of your mind, that is a good habit to form. Whether it's a certain song that when you hear it, it snaps you back into that undeniable awareness that you are alive. And that you don't even need to know if it's good or bad. We can release the need to have opinions about our own life, not to mention about everybody others, everybody else's life and all the other stuff going on. Sometimes you just can exist. And that is more than enough. That is a miracle unto itself. When you see a, an animal that makes you feel happy, when you see a child playing freely and laughing and smiling, when you encounter anything that brings you a direct and undeniable joy, let that joy reposition you in your own life, up close, right in your face, that it's here, it's happening, and if we can't enjoy it now, then maybe we never deserve to get a chance to enjoy it in the first place. It's America WK. There's a lot I want to talk to you about today. A lot of topics. A lot that's been on my mind. We're going to go through, well, I guess we'll go through as much as we get through, as usual. I'm not exactly sure how the show is going to go or where it's going to go. But I'm releasing myself from a a need to have an opinion about even this show. I'm just glad to be here doing it with you. And that's one of my sources of joy. Every week, when I'm getting this chance to talk with you, that means life is happening. And that has to be good. No need to doubt on all sides, except... And I mean full acceptance of life is the first step to living. Be right back. America WK with your host, Andrew WK, on the Blaze Radio Network. This podcast brought to you by My Patriot Supply. Did you miss the chance to get a 72-hour emergency food supply with free shipping for just 10 bucks? What's wrong with you? Don't worry. Call 888-411-7440 right now. They have a few left, and they're selling out fast. 888-411-7440. What are you waiting for? A disaster? Do it right now. 888-411-7440. Now, the king of partying himself, your friend and mine, Andrew W.K. Welcome back to America W.K. There's been a lot going on, a lot going on. I'm sure you have had your mind full from all different sides. There's so much 
going on at all times. Why do we look around us for even more pressure, for even more stress? I was thinking about this myself. Isn't just getting through the day as a decent human being a big enough challenge? Why do we choose to involve ourselves in the lives of others, in the situations of others, in the situations of millions or billions of others? Clearly, there's something almost inescapable about our concern and our interest in other people's lives. And more than that, we, we have almost a fascination with seeking out problems. Now here is where it gets a bit tricky. Because surely there's no way to solve every single problem. But does that mean that we shouldn't be aware of them? And even if we have no immediate ability to impact a situation going on somewhere in the world, impact it for the good or the bad, does that mean it isn't worth thinking about? Well, I would say, no, it doesn't mean it's not worth thinking about at all. It's quite natural to be drawn to dilemmas, whether we can do anything about them or not. They're intriguing. They're troubling. We connect with them. We have sympathy. We have compassion. We have empathy. You can't, it, it takes actually more discipline and effort to ignore what's going on around us, even on a global scale, than it does to pay attention to it. But that being said, there are obviously more situations, more problems, more issues going around all over the globe than we could ever possibly know about or process in many lifetimes. So no matter how much effort or time or attention or energy we put into paying attention, even if you read every single newspaper, watched every single TV show, and read every single piece of news that was available one way or another, listened to every radio show, you really only need to listen to this one, but let's just say you actually did that. Let's say you had some kind of superhuman ability to process information at light speed and could absorb the contents of every book. Even then, if you were able to digest all the information that's ever existed that wouldn't give you any ability to do anything else with your entire life. You would spend every waking moment not only processing what's already been out and available, but each day there would be an additional onslaught of information about every other problem, every other situation. And these are just the problems I'm talking about. These are just uh, situations involving strife. If you wanted to look into everything that was great going on, that would be in another an entire other lifetime of, of effort. So the point is, we know that even if we're paying attention and we make our life, our life's effort to know about as much that's going on as possible, we can't deny that that is only a small, small fraction of a small percentage of the big picture. 
So that asks, we have to ask ourselves, what are we then getting to see? What are we paying attention to? If we know it's just a fraction of what's going on, how are we choosing that fraction out of all things to pay attention to? Now, again, I'm not saying to not pay attention to this stuff. I've had plenty of people tell me, friends and family, Andrew, why do you think about this stuff? Why do you care about this stuff? They weren't even trying to discourage me. They were truly puzzled by this. Uh, Why do you spend time reading the news? Why do you go to so many different news sources, many of which contradict the other? And a lot of times I didn't really have an answer. I said, I don't know. I just, it, I, it just, I've, I'm compelled to. I wouldn't even say that I like it. I don't like hearing about what is best described as bad news. But there's something not necessarily addictive about it. There's something that is inside of me that draws me to this. And the only way I could really describe it is concern. I'm concerned. I'm deeply concerned. And I'm even more deeply concerned about anyone else who isn't concerned. Because again, I think it takes a lot more effort to resist that natural inborn concern we have for one another. It takes more energy to block that out and to turn off your heart and turn off your mind and turn off your attention than it does just to follow that natural concern. Of course we care about one another. That may be the best thing that we have. That may be the most important and powerful thing that we have. If we ever were to solve a problem, the only way we can solve it is by following our concern, our care, which are really both just words describing our love. Our love that transcends reason and logic, but at the same time is the most reasonable and logical thing about us. A love that contradicts many other impulses that we have as individuals living our own lives. A love that takes us out of our own life and puts us into the life of someone else. A love that pushes us out of comfort. And out of convenience, a love that forces us to see things from many other points of view, a love that is confusing and confounding, a love that doesn't line up nice and neat in an ordered way that makes life worth uh, examining. It is a love that is perplexing, a love that can't be examined or figured out. Still, despite all that, that inherent love, that inherent concern and care that emanates from each of us naturally seems to make more sense on some cosmic level and on some very basic fundamental level than just about any other attitude we could ever have. We can fight against that feeling very, very much. I think many of us spend a huge amount of energy fighting against that because we think it's irresponsible. We think it's too selfless. We think that it's weak. We think that it's melodramatic or overly sentimental. We think that we're letting our emotions 
get the best of us. But I don't think that this type of love, this type of care and concern falls into the category of emotion. It seems much more like a survival mechanism as much as breathing is a survival mechanism. It's as much bound up in who we are as anything else that keeps us alive. We have to care. Never turn that off. And don't turn off America WK, because I'll be right back. Please, stay with me. A party for being alive. This is America WK. With Andrew WK. On the Blaze Radio Network. Buck Sexton. One of the defining characteristics of the American left is a complete, not just a lack of moral clarity, but an intentional destruction of moral clarity. It's not just that they don't understand what is more and what is not. They want to make sure that nobody else can tell either or that people lose their basic moral compass because then it's, of course, easier to control you. Buck Sexton. Weekdays, noon to 2 p.m. Eastern on the Blaze Radio Network. You're listening to America WK with Andrew WK. Welcome back to America WK. We just we're talking before the break there about allowing oneself to care about other people, to care about other things besides yourself, to care about situations that don't necessarily directly involve you, that all of these things are natural and good. We can follow them to perhaps harmful ends. We can allow our concern for others to twist our feelings and our behavior if we're not careful about it. But at the beginning and end of the day, we care about each other because we are each other. There's no other way around it. You care about other people because we are other people. If I care about you, then there's a chance that you might care about me. And next thing you know, you and I sort of become the same thing. People. We can't exist isolated from one another. We've tried it over and over again. At some point, we're going to have to figure out a way to be strong enough to get along. And to look for those parts of ourselves and other people first and foremost, that we can relate to. We've talked about this a lot, and it should be talked about as much as possible. This should be right up front and center. Seek and ye shall find. What does that mean? Well, it means you'll find what you're looking for. So you better be careful what you're looking for. You'll get very good at finding what you look for the longer you live. So you better be very careful what you get good at looking for. If you're looking for reasons to get along with someone else, you will find reasons to get along with someone else. And boy, you better believe it. If you're looking for some reason to not get along with someone, you will find it immediately. 
But there's more to this idea. I was thinking about this quite a bit in anticipation of talking with you today. Because seek and ye shall find, at first it seems, like so many of these beautiful expressions, it contains a multitude of truths. At first it just seems, if you're looking for the answer, you'll find it. And that uh, is a beautiful reality. But if we look a little more deeply, we do see that the danger here is that we have the power, more than we realize, to not only look for what we want, but to actually find it. And if it's not there to be found, and this is the most intense part of all, we'll make it. We'll make it there. And this is where things get a little slippery, because this points at the world working differently than we often think it does. We like to think that whatever exists in the world is already there. It's just there. We have no ability to make it there, be there, or not be there. And I don't expect you to agree with this or believe this. I don't even know if I believe it, but it's an interesting idea to consider. For example, today, when I woke up, as I've mentioned to you before, I like overcast weather. I like gray skies. I like that flat kind of blue light, have nothing against, you know, beautiful sunlight. I just, for whatever reason, happen to like that kind of overcast sky. It's a pensive type of mood. I find that it encourages, well, thoughts, almost like the ones we're talking about on our show. So for whatever reason, that's what I like. Now, when I got up today, before I looked out the window, there was a part of me, almost subconsciously, hoping that it would be an overcast day. And I got up feeling good. I, I, I've been having a nice couple of days. No major upsets. A general feeling of, uh, of satisfaction and excitement. A feeling of power and courage. Just good feelings. My heart has felt open. And when I opened that shade, lo and behold, there was a beautiful overcast sky. Now to someone else, obviously, they would have probably wished it was a, a perfect sunny day. I mean, the sun is creating the light one way or another. It's just how much cloud cover is up there. But for me, it was this perfect cloudy day. Now, the point I'm trying to make is, if I had woken up and wished for it to be a sunny day, maybe it would have been. Now, how can that be? How can one person's wish then actually create this weather because clearly there are people out there that wouldn't have wanted it to be overcast today did i sort of infiltrate their wishes and go against them well this is where it gets very tricky but i imagine you may have heard this this incredible research that's being done that does seem to indicate in a very puzzling way that what we are looking for we have a hand in bringing about, almost in a magical way. Meaning that if I'm looking to have a bad day, I'll have it. If I'm thinking about, I don't know, a certain person, I may have then a dream about them. Or perhaps I'll notice a photograph of them. Uh, if you are 
in the mood for a certain kind of food. And you're thinking, boy, oh boy, I wish I could go eat uh, Thai food right now. And then lo and behold, you look to your left and there's a Thai restaurant. Now, again, the point I'm trying to make here is actually not necessarily that all of a sudden I thought I want to eat Thai food and that restaurant just popped up out of nowhere. What this points towards more is that I was paying attention and looking for Thai food, so I saw it. I could have just as equally been looking for a hamburger joint, and there I probably would have seen a hamburger joint. What I'm trying to say in a rather cluttered and rambling way is that if you're looking for bad things to happen in the world, we will find bad things happening in the world. Does that mean we're making them happen? I don't know. That depends how far you want to stretch this theory. But actually, some more recent scientific research has shown in a rather disturbing fashion that we may have much more influence even over the material world than we realize. Now, this is ground that has been covered a great deal. But it essentially points to the fact that all matter, all things, are made up of one substance, which is a very strange concept just to begin with. That what makes a rock a rock and a tree a tree and a car and a car and a person and a person all at the very base molecular level eventually get down to the same stuff. But beyond that... And this is where it gets very intense, that even thoughts, even ideas are made up of that same elemental stuff, which is really just energy. That's what makes up everything, some form of vitalized energy. So if that's the case, then we're making things with each thought we have. As much as you can build something, you can build it with a thought. It's America WK. I'll be right back. You're listening to America WK with Andrew WK on the Blaze Radio Network. Jay Severin. Is that the mainstream medium has decided to settle in to its intentional uh, analysis of the second debate. And that is, no matter what happened, they were going to say Carly Fiorina won, and that she's a wonder, and that she's perfect for the job, and that she's killing Trump, and she's a superstar. Jay Severin. Weekdays, 2 to 5 p.m. Eastern. On the Blaze Radio Network. Radio show restoring your faith in humanity through the power of positive partying. This is America WK with Andrew WK. Welcome back to America WK. This is Andrew WK. Now, I got to admit, I'm not a specialist in this field, and I've already felt things getting scattered as I've tried to go into this realm of immaterial and material energies and thoughts impacting what we experience around us. I find this field very interesting, 
but I'm not that interested in it as an expert, in case that isn't obvious. But like many people, I've heard this idea, thoughts are things. Now, when I first heard that, I just, well, I don't really know what I thought. I probably thought, well, that just means, yeah, thoughts are meant to be taken seriously. They have weight to them. They have power to them. They are the first step in something becoming an actual thing. I mean, if you're going to build a house, at some point that house did start out as a thought, a series of many thoughts, many thousands of thoughts in the process of constructing a house. But it actually is even more than that. What I think this phrase really means, thoughts are things, is actually quite literal. As we were saying before the break, the difference between a house and a thought is not as much difference as we would as it would at first appear and it all comes down to zooming in zooming in 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 to what all things are made up of it gets uh disturbing quite quickly to realize that we go around in day-to-day life with this idea of separate objects, separate things, separate discrete phenomenon, like a bed and a table are separate from each other. And uh, me here, I am sitting at this table. I'm clearly very separate from the table and from the bed. But if you zoomed very far in, you would see that it was all made up of the same stuff. So there isn't actually that much separation between the table and myself. They're just different configurations of the same essential matter. And even that matter, that physical matter, like these objects, even those objects, when you get down very small, within them are made up of just raw energy. And so even the... the, the, the sun, for example, or a planet is just itself a different configuration of the same essential parts that make up you or me. And a thought is only energy. An idea, of course, to me, it always seemed like these things didn't exist. A thought was less than air. It, it was an internal, private moment, almost like time. You couldn't touch it. You couldn't hold it. It just passed and it happened. It was never what I would call a thing or an object. But a thought, in fact, is even more significant in a way, even more powerful and weighty than an object. Because it is just pure energy not constrained or weighed down by traditional matter. And in this way, we need to take our thoughts very seriously. We know that they are the beginning of anything and everything that's ever going to happen outside of our thoughts. You cannot have something happen in this world, whether it's built or made or destroyed, or any other event that we that we engage in actively, thought is going to be inextricably bound up 
and all of those experiences. And yet, it seems like just, at least for me, I've taken these thoughts almost less seriously than anything else. I thought the thoughts were just these casual things that happen here and there. You kind of try to control them at times. You choose to think. You don't choose to think. They just Thoughts just happen on their own. You mull them over. You forget that you're even thinking. I mean, it's, it's just a mess in there. Or it has been for me. Until you realize the power that you're dealing with. And with great power should come great responsibility. And that is why the first effort any of us should make is to get some type of control, not in a suppressive way, but in a responsible and empowering way, a freeing of our powers. When it comes to thought, when it comes to emotion, when it comes to the inside world inside of us, the inner world in our heads, in our hearts, in our souls, inside of us is just as real as all the objects and materials that we see around us. What we think of as the real world. And it's very difficult to believe that, but it has to be true. And in fact, And this is the most incredible and mysterious part of all. The inner world might be the realer of the worlds. It might be the real world, period. And all this stuff around us is just a a strange shadow or reflection, a strange manifestation, a strange result or byproduct of that world, that inner real world. So boy, oh boy, oh boy, should we get a handle on that inner life. Those thoughts are the world. This is America WK. Holy smokes. Don't go away. There's still lots more I want to discuss today. Be right back. This is America WK, hosted by your friend and mine, Andrew WK. Only on the Blaze Radio Network. Coming up today on Pat and Stu. Hillary is sounding off again, and and seriously, she shouldn't. She should just keep her mouth shut. (laughs) Frankly, just be quiet. Why, because she's a woman? Just be quiet. Mm-hmm. Because she's, she's a stupid. woman? Because mm-hmm. she's stupid. And See, did you hear that? <laughs> she's an awful <laughs> woman. Wow. It's not because she's a woman. It has nothing to do with that. Why? Because of, uh, of her body parts being different than yours? No, that's not why. I just <laughs> yeah. said that wasn't why. Yeah. Pat and Stu. Weekdays at 5 p.m. Eastern on the Blaze Radio Network. It's time to party. This is a no-holds-barred celebration of being alive. America WK, with your friend and mine, Andrew WK, on the Blaze Radio Network. Okay, welcome back to America WK. We've been uh, a bit all over the place here, but I hope there's been a common thread with what we're talking about today. As always, we're trying to empower ourselves to Develop the courage and strength to improve our inner lives. Where, as we just talked about, 
That's might be where the real world is going on anyway. And it's not to discount what we see as the outer world. It's actually to try to join the two together as one enormous phenomenon that doesn't even need to be separated by inner and outer. But perhaps that delineation, the ability to examine them as two separate experiences is initially helpful, especially when it allows us to turn inward and take our inner life more seriously, to pay attention to it more. Because because of our senses, basically, uh, sight, sound, smell, touch, we, ha- we tend to take uh, this outer world much more seriously because it's observable in a different way, in a way that makes it seem more real. But isn't it strange and fascinating and very beautiful to realize that we can observe our inner world and sense it just as much, in fact, much more intimately? And you don't need to have any senses to do that. You can close your eyes. You can block out your ears. You don't need to taste anything. You don't even need to touch anything. You can experience your inner world completely effortlessly as long as you just pay attention that it's there. You're seeing within yourself. And it's not your eyes rolling back in your head looking into your skull. What is going on there? When you close your eyes and quiet down and go into yourself and think about your own thoughts, essentially, notice those thoughts. What is that? What is that observation power that allows us to do that? It's, it's almost eerie. It's really a, 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 a complete sense unto itself. It's an additional sense. Maybe that's the sixth sense. Maybe that's the seventh sense. Of course, there's entire disciplines dedicated to this that I know very little about. But you don't need to know or be trained. This is something naturally that we are all able to do. We can go into our inner world at any one point. In fact, we're always there, of course. I guess that's the the, the key. We're always there. And it feels like we're looking out from inside our heads. We're looking out into the world around us, seeing walls and shapes and other people and stuff, activities, tasks. And sometimes we can get so wrapped up in all that stuff that that seems to take the place of the inner world. That seems to become the world, period. But it's not. So what are we supposed to do about this inner world? Well, in a large way, that's for each of us to figure out on our own. I I could tell you steps or exercises. I don't think you'd really need them. I don't think I need anyone really to tell me. We just need to remind each other that this is all happening. But what to do about it, that's a more subtle and personal experience and set of choices. Certainly, it's always helpful to try and gain some sort of power over our thoughts, over our feelings, over our emotions and moods. But that's not the end game. That's not the point of paying attention to our inner lives. 
That's just more of an exercise, like lifting a weight. You know, arguably the the point of lifting weights, sure, if you're a an Olympic weightlifter and trying to lift a certain amount to achieve a certain competitive goal, like a medal at the Olympics, that may seem like the end result of all your training, all the exercise, but I would argue that it's that's not. In fact, there really may never be an end goal to all our efforts beyond the effort itself, beyond what making the effort does to us. And that's can be that can be almost kind of discouraging that there there is no place we're trying to get to. I think that connects back nicely to what we were talking about earlier. Cuz it seems like we're doing all this striving, all this preparing all this planning so that someday then we'll get it someday then we'll be good someday then we're going to actually be a full person has it all figured out and has that secret key that unlocks the world so we can really enjoy it and you know people will hold that over you too we all have seen endless examples of someone who's going to tell you how you can do it, how they did it. They figured it all out, and now life is great. And they can tell you how to do it so your life can be good. And once you do that, oh, boy, you just, you're going to look back and wish you had done it a long time ago. And there may be moments in life that feel like that. But if you've ever had one, you realize that it's very fleeting, that that big breakthrough soon reveals itself to have just been another step. A step towards where? I don't know. Just a step. Movement. Movement seems to be the key. Never figuring it out so much that we stop moving. Never getting so many answers that we stop questioning. Never getting so satisfied that we stop questing. There's something about the human spirit that doesn't want to stop. It's an ever-unfolding explosion. Maybe that's somehow connected to that idea of the Big Bang. No matter what you think about that concept, it seems to illustrate this idea of an ever-expanding, unfolding exploration of itself that the human spirit can never be fully figured out because it is always expanding and the minute you think you have it figured out it just grew a little bit more so there's a little bit more to explore it's like a house that is continuously being built and added on to there's an amazing place uh, somewhere around the San Francisco area, or Santa Cruz, somewhere there, I've been there. It's called the Winchester Mystery House. And this was a, a house that, for many years, was owned by, I believe, the widow of the Winchester Rifle family, legacy, empire, who, in her very passionate but perhaps rather delusional older years decided that she couldn't stop 
adding on to her house. Couldn't stop building this Winchester mansion. It was almost like a curse. She believed that if she stopped building, she would die. It was something like that. I apologize for my ignorance, but I had heard about this house for many years from my mom. She was fascinated by it. I remember seeing the billboards where I finally went several years ago, and it was absolutely incredible. Because just when you thought you had seen the entire house or you understood the house or you sort of had a sense of where you were in relation to other parts of this massive property, there'd be a stairway that would go up to a wall with nowhere else to go. Or a series of very shallow stairs would take you in a wraparound by a courtyard. There was rooms with no doors and no windows. There were doors that opened into the air where you could have just fallen out. She became so obsessed with building that she abandoned all reason for building and just built to build. Perhaps she was experiencing something of what we discussed just a second ago with this ever-unfolding inner spirit to, to, to grow for the sake of it. It's America WK. You're listening to America WK with Andrew WK on the Blaze Radio Network. It quits treating him like an affirmative action uh, occupier of the Oval Office and makes him take a stand on what his priorities are. And his priorities are demonstrably anti-American. So uh, Mitch McConnell ought to be about doing that. John Boehner should have been about doing that. But they but they didn't. Chris Salcedo, Saturdays, noon to 3 p.m. Eastern on the Blaze Radio Network. The undisputed king of partying invites you to a no-holds-barred celebration of being alive. This is America WK with Andrew WK. Welcome back to America WK. I was just talking about uh, the Winchester Mystery House before the break there. I highly recommend this as a, a fantastic travel destination. It's fantastic for families. I mean, I, I even... As a child uh, who got very bored at a lot of tourist attractions, quote-unquote, I didn't enjoy museums a lot of the time, I really think that everyone and anyone would be fascinated by this house. Even a young child who could get very bored easily or restless, you can't get restless in this house because the entire spirit of this Winchester mystery house was restlessness. This woman would not rest. She would not stop building this house and adding on in whatever way she possibly could. And that is what I was trying to connect to, the idea of the restless human spirit. The human spirit does not want to be satisfied. It's almost that's what satisfies it, is not being satisfied. We must keep the carrot dangling in front of our spirit to keep us moving forward, to keep us unfolding. Because the whole universe is unfolding. Well, some argue that it's dying. But even if it's dying 
I think that's a misinterpretation of what death is. That's just a cycle of sleep before more growth and unfolding and expansion. We have to feed our spirits with ever-increasing challenges. The point of life is not to figure everything out so that we can then sit there and defend our beliefs endlessly and tirelessly against a ever more hostile world, or so it seems. The point of life is to, I guess, maybe just have one question answered, which is, should I keep asking questions or not? The point of life is to explore. Or maybe it's not. I mean, I, I don't want to answer these questions either, I suppose. I just want to stay wondering. Stay open. It seems like an easier, more comfortable way to be. To have everything figured out so that we can just sit with the answers. But contemplation and curiosity seems to take over every single time. And as I said earlier, it seems to take a lot more energy to stave off that natural inborn wondering, that natural concern, than it does just to sit with yourself in some sort of false sense of certainty. Stress will close in more and more and more until you're hardly living at all. Seek, and ye shall find. Seek, and ye shall find. I mean, right there, at the very beginning, seek, seeking, it's the seeking. It doesn't say seek and ye shall find and then stop seeking. When you seek, you'll probably find that you're supposed to continue seeking. It must, it must, it must have something to do with why we're here, to seek. You know, and I was thinking about this idea of finding what you're looking for, that if you're looking for negative stuff, you will find it. If you're looking for positive stuff, you will find it. If you're looking for a reason to like someone, you will find a reason to like them. If you're looking for a reason to not like someone, you will find it right away. It connects to this idea of fighting for something versus fighting against something. Now, we are all familiar. I'm sure you've had your experiences with fighting against all kinds of things. I have. I mean, uh, I've had experiences wanting to fight against sadness, fight against frustration. And I got very into fighting against depression within myself, fighting against weakness within myself. In fact, I, I developed entire systems of thought for myself, entire mindsets, ways of looking at the world, modes of behavior that I thought helped me fight against these bad feelings. But it was odd because I noticed the more I fought against them, the more they seemed to be there to be fought against. And in a way, I wasn't unhappy with that because I had all these great systems figured out for fighting against them. I had built all these weapons 
that I could use to destroy my anger, destroy my sadness, destroy my frustration, all my bad feelings, all my anxiety. I had to figure it out. I was going to destroy them using all these tricks of the trade that I had manipulated and, and, and crafted from my own spirit to fight against my bad feelings. And then one day, maybe I didn't have so many bad feelings, and I was shocked to notice that I was kind of disappointed. Because then I couldn't use all these, these special tools I had fashioned to fight against my bad feelings. They weren't there to be fought. So I looked for more bad feelings. I looked for something to be angry about. And there, then, I, then I was back. Then I could fight against it again. And I felt uh, you know, energized and uh, refocused. So it really made me wonder, this was just the other day, maybe I should, instead of be fighting against my bad feelings, maybe I should be fighting for my good feelings. Fighting for good feelings. Maybe not even fighting at all. But I was so used to dealing with bad stuff that I didn't really know how to encourage good stuff. Once I'd cleared out all the bad stuff, I didn't know what to do with myself sometimes. My whole identity, my whole way of life had been built around eliminating what I saw as these problems that I almost got hooked on it. It was habitual. It was like an addiction. And when it wasn't there, I didn't feel like myself. Now, if someone had told me, well, there's going to become a, a, a time... Someday when you, when you won't have to fight against those feelings, I would have been overjoyed. I would think, oh, that's fantastic to hear. I can't wait till that day. That means I'll really have done what I've been hoping to do. And then here, finally, that day was here. It felt like I had reached this achievement, and I didn't know what to do with it. For so many years, I got my whole purpose from fighting against my problems, that when they actually were eliminated, I had no identity left. So that makes me want to ask you, what are you fighting against? And would it be better, instead of putting all our energy into fighting against anything, to instead fight for what we want? Don't fight against illness. Fight for health. I mean, think about pharmaceutical companies. They want to fight against illness, right? But what would they do if all of a sudden there was no illness? Now, they, they may really think that that's what they want, but they've built up an entire industry about illness, about fighting it. And if it's not there, there's no industry. So do they really want health? Do we really want these good things? Or are we so bound up in fighting the bad things that we've actually made that the entire point of life? Oh, really amped up today. Gosh, I didn't expect to feel this amped up, but uh, I'm liking it. I hope you are. Pleasure to be with you. It's America WK. I'll be right back. This is America WK, hosted by your friend and mine, Andrew WK. Only on the Blaze Radio Network. No, the cops are the problem, but the people making the policies and the people in charge, by the way, and the person in charge for seven years now, Barack Obama, that's not part of the problem. That's there's no issue there. They want this huge government and they seem to fail to recognize 
that government's power largely comes from its police powers, its force, its monopoly on force. That's what the government has. Buck Sexton, weekdays, noon to 3 p.m. Eastern, on the Blaze Radio Network. This is America WK with Andrew WK, only on the Blaze Radio Network. Welcome back to America WK. As usual, I've been a bit all over the map, but the map is wonderful territory to be on either way. That's why I don't mind going all over the map. It's the map of life. And life is such a fantastic, incredible, miraculous experience that pretty much any area that you cover is bound to be at least worthy of our time. Maybe not always interesting to each one of us. Hopefully, occasionally interesting to you. I hope at least it's relatable. As always, that is my goal. I'm not telling you anything that you don't know. Uh, I'm not talking about anything that I invented, really. This is common knowledge. Common sense, I hope. And yes, it may get a bit far out at times. But there's nothing wrong with that. We should venture far out. We should create a larger space, a more dynamic space for ourselves. A larger, bigger way of looking at the world. Even if just to come back to our initial conclusions and thoughts. There's nothing wrong with that. How can we know that our beliefs and our ideas and our ideals are really as good as we'd like to think unless we consider others? Being devil's advocate with yourself is perhaps one of the most healthy and beneficial exercises we can do. And we see this, boy, oh boy, I'm sure you have noticed this, that we can't really be that confident of our own position if we freak out when someone or something challenges it. That's a sure sign of insecurity. I've seen that in many other people. The minute you question, and not in an antagonistic way, but maybe just in a a spirit of curiosity, a spirit of discussion, a a spirit of open-mindedness, spirit of free thought and free speech, true liberty. If we can't allow ourselves that freedom to question even our most deeply held beliefs, then I would argue that perhaps they're not as deeply held as we'd like to think. Again, we don't want to fight against these other ideas. We want to fight for these ideas. And boy, you really can see the worst behavior, the worst that humans are capable of when they're insecure about a position. I mean, I don't even need to name names. And I've done it myself. Something very exciting, very emotional, very dramatic, almost romantic about getting real up in arms and hurt and freaked out when you are challenged, when your ideas are challenged. And that's perfectly fine. 
and under, very understandable. But I think we all can agree deep down inside that you and I owe it to ourselves, not to mention to other people, to be able to at least consider a very wide span of thought. Not with the idea that we're trying to be swayed or we're allowing our convictions to falter or we're letting people infiltrate our thoughts and manipulate us. No, because we've already agreed that we're strong enough to take that. And think of it this way. How many ideas have you arrived at? How many beliefs have you arrived at? How many ways of looking at the world have you arrived at that you didn't initially think or agree with? But through open-minded inquiry, through exploration, through thought, and most of all, through courage and strength and true freedom, you were able to change your mind or develop your mind or continue a cycle or process of thought that took you to a place that you never imagined you would wind up at. And sometimes that's the most exciting thing of all. To start somewhere and then get somewhere totally different, but never to stop that process. Because if we stop that process, then we're not paying proper tribute to how we even got there in the first place. Any idea or belief that we have now had to start somewhere. And of course, some ideas and points of view are so valuable that we don't want to ever abandon them. But that doesn't mean that they don't allow us a little bit of exploration. A little bit of wiggle room, even. Without being inconsistent. Without... Losing our integrity. It's one of the most beautiful things about getting to think freely. Is that there's a lot of stuff to think about. And we shouldn't be so afraid of it. And I'm saying that for myself. I'm saying that for myself as much as anybody else. And I'm not here to judge anyone else at all. I'm actually not even here to judge myself either. I'm trying to encourage Myself to be a little stronger. To hear more than two sides to a story. I couldn't be more tired of that. That there's this way, and then there's that way. Well, that doesn't make any sense at all. That is the human inclination for simplicity, and a heads or tails, left or right, A or B, or zero or one. You know, maybe it it all boils down to some kind of natural connection to day and night, Uh, you know, sun and moon, these polarities and these binary experiences of the world. But even those that seem so natural and inherent, we have interpreted. We have chosen that because clearly there's more than the sun and the moon in our solar system. There's many planets. There's many stars out there. In the universe. Clearly, even though the sun rises and the sun sets, there's many different points. There's an infinite number of places that the sun is located throughout the day. It's not just day and then immediately night. There's a gradient here. There's contrast. There's a a wide spectrum. So why do we see things in this either-or nature except to simplify it for ourselves well i think we can be stronger than that i think we can be a little braver than that we can see things 
people, arguably in an infinite number of options, as an infinite array, not one or the other. So it doesn't always have to be what I think and what someone else thinks, or I think the right thing and they think the wrong thing, or they think the right thing and I thought the wrong thing and now I feel bad. It's, it's for better or worse, it is just more than that. I don't even want to say it's more complicated because I don't think it is. I think we're complicating it by trying to make it too simple. We think we're doing ourselves a favor with this us versus them. But it's actually just making things much, much, much more complicated and difficult than it needs to be. Release the need. Release yourself. Release me from the need to be one thing or another. Just be human. And if, if there's proof that things are not one or the other, look at any human being. There's a multitude, a vastness within each person that deserves more than one or the other. It's America WK. I'll be right back. This is America WK with your friend and mine, Andrew WK. Only on the Blaze Radio Network. Don't miss Pat and Stu. Uh, it, it came out an great. hour ago. It came out a short time ago. It uh, came out a, a little, little while, while ago. ago. A little short it came time out ago. Not sure. Time where before I'm not, I started this. Yeah, we're before now when I'm saying this, but after a time that was right around the birth of Jesus. Pat and Stu, weekdays at 5 p.m. Eastern on the Blaze Radio Network. only radio show restoring your faith in humanity through the power of positive partying. This is America WK with Andrew WK. Welcome back to America WK. This is Andrew WK. You know, despite being all over the place today, I've enjoyed this time with you very, very, very much. And I don't know if I had mentioned at the start of the show, I had planned on all of our segments today being focused on a very specific topic. It was supposed to be paranoia. That was going to be the main theme of this entire show. But as often is the case, I just followed what happened. And it felt great. Not that I wasn't looking forward to discussing paranoia. I had some notes on that, and I'd been planning it. I mentioned it last week. And of course, Uh, That'll be my plan for next episode, but I wanted to point this out because today I just have felt fired up. I mean, I didn't actually feel that fired up when the show started, but since talking with you, I feel completely energized now, and I have to stop and thank you for that. That is so precious to me, and to, to be able to spend this radio time with you every week and actually feel better at the end of the show than I did at the start, to have my whole day changed right off the bat because of getting to do this, that, that's incredible for me. That, that I hope, gosh, gosh, I hope that you can feel that. Even if you don't feel incredible, 
because of the show. I hope you can feel my gratitude towards you for what you give me during the show. And, and it is a bit selfish in that way. I realize that. I mean, listen to me just ramble and rant on here. I realize that. But I, 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 even if you don't take away anything useful, which of course I hope that you do, I hope that you can relate to this. But even if not, know that I don't take it for granted that you are making my life feel better just by spending this time with me every week. And even though we didn't go into today's planned topic, I want us to think about giving ourselves the space to follow inspiration and almost think of it as a sacred obligation that we're obligated to follow inspiration, even if it defies our plans, even if it interferes with our schedule, even if it totally shocks and surprises us, or even challenges us in where it asks us to go. Because we've all been there, I'm sure. You have, and I have, struggled as much as anyone with trying to muster up inspiration, with trying to find motivation and get that energy when you need it. And a lot of times, no matter how badly I have wanted to feel inspired and feel excited and feel motivated, it just didn't come. But when it does come, and it seems to come out of nowhere, boy, we are we really owe it to whatever that mysterious feeling is, whatever that inspiration, that vitality, that's, that life force that seems to descend or come up into you and give you this power, give you this excitement about life, this, this undeniable energy. I mean, you feel it when it's, I'm feeling it. When it happens, it is undeniable. And we must respect that feeling, respect that miraculous power, and take note and sort of bow down to it. Basically do whatever it tells us to do. And I really mean that. Set aside, if you can, anything and everything else that you're doing. And turn yourself over completely to that inspiration. It may only be for five minutes. And then it may pass. Or it may be for a couple of years or longer. But there is always the possibility that it will never come again. So when it descends or ascends or wherever it comes from, when it wells into you, when, it, when, when, when it's there, strike while the iron is hot. And in the rest of our lives, if we can just sort of stay primed and ready, maybe not always inspired, maybe not always motivated, maybe not always full of that kind of energy, but ready for when it's there, well, that is that is that would be a, that would be an incredible way to live, because it happened during this show for me, in a in a, in a way that I really felt. And, and you know what's so great about it too, is that all those times when I haven't felt that inspired or motivated, when I wished I had but just didn't, I can think back to this show as an example of a time when it came. And know that it will come again, or hope that it comes again. And know that I will be ready and follow it. Keep yourself like an open vessel. So that when this divine, incredible divine power finds its way into you, let it put you to work. 
Stay open to it. You cannot receive it with a closed heart or a closed mind because it won't think you can use it. It would like uh, be like plugging in a broken machine into the wall or a, you know, what's the point of keeping a, a battery in a car that has no tires? Power will be used by those that have decided to let it use them. It's a wonderful way to be used. Being used isn't always that bad. Let us be used for the best and brightest purposes that this world has. And let us be open and ready to do its bidding when called upon. However you want to think about that. And when you feel that feeling, it is undeniable. And so don't lose hope. It might not always be there. It might might go through huge dry spells. But when it's there, it makes life worth living. It's the best thing. Doing this show with you makes my life worth living. Thank you from the bottom of my heart and from the top of my mind. I love you. See you soon. A party for being alive. This is America WK with Andrew WK on the Blaze Radio Network.